Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. I am Catherine Jean Lopez from the National Review Institute here for Ignatius Press as well, interviewing Father Donald Haggerty. And so Father Haggerty is the author of a new book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. And Father Haggerty is a bit of a master student of John of the Cross. And Father Haggerty, I have the impression you've been writing this book in your head and in your prayer for about 35 years since you were in seminary. Well, that's correct uh, somewhat, Catherine. I, I, I really discovered St. John of the Cross in my first year in the seminary when I asked a priest on the faculty if he would be willing to do a private study for credit on St. John of the Cross's uh, work done by uh, Pope John Paul II, his doctoral dissertation, Faith According to St. John of the Cross, which was published by Ignatius Press. And he agreed to do that, and I have to say that um, had a lifelong uh, effect on my life. And to read that, and then to discover Saint John of the Cross, and then I, I kept plunging into him. In the uh, you know year after year, I've used him for retreats with missionaries of charity over the years, and I I have grown to love him. So it was something I wanted to do for a while, and then when we had the lockdowns and the pandemic. I said, well, now is the time I have to do this. What was it initially that drew you to him as a seminarian? Was it John Paul II, the fact that John Paul II considered him important? I think it was more the desire for prayer. I, uh, When I discovered the library in the seminary, I was reading, uh, for instance, Father Marie Eugene, uh, Carmelite, and I was very interested in growing in prayer. And St. John of the Cross, I also was living at that time with the Missionary of Charity Fathers, which I had joined. And there was a Spanish priest, Father Christopher Hartley, who had been trained in Toledo as a seminarian. And he came in with his great fire and enthusiasm also for St. John of the Cross. So that certainly uh, influenced me also to decide to read him. I really, I think that this book is the most accessible book on John of the Cross. Um, there's Father Dubé's book on, on John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila I fell in love with when I was in college. Um, but this book, you know, is, is a real serious study, but also super accessible, which is, is hard to do with John of the Cross. Well, thank you, Catherine. That was my, that was my goal. So I'm glad you, you stayed on it. I wanted to make him attractive and accessible because I've heard so many times over the years, sometimes the missionaries of charity, that um, he's too high level, he's too much of a, a mystic, you know, we're common people, and he, he's too much, he's too overwhelming. And I, I disagree with that. I find that in front of the cross is he's very accessible in some passages and and in some parts of him. I remember reading some years ago, St. John of the Cross is very profound for the beginnings of spiritual life and very helpful in the beginnings of contemplative life and very exalted when he's talking about the, uh, the end point of mystical union. But that's saying that he's really as indispensable and essential for 
you know, early periods of life and the contemplative transition in one's life? So many people, um, well, John of the Cross and your book are foreign to our culture. <laughs> what, what can you say to encourage people to really take the time to be silent with God in front of the tabernacle? which is really what John of the Cross in this book asks of us. Well, the first thing I would say is they're on the right track. And when people can choose to have, to carve out some time in their, in their daily life, uh, really committed, you know, if we can, in a daily manner, even if people who go to mass every day, if they could stay 10 minutes or come in 10 minutes earlier, to that silent time before our Lord in a more receptive state, is the beginnings of some hunger for God that he may, in his own way, uh, fuel over time. And, and if we continue in that kind of practice, I mean, anybody in religious life, many lay people do take serious time in prayer these days with the, the prevalence of adoration uh, and Eucharistic adoration. And sometimes parishes have 24-7 you know, Eucharistic adoration. And if we're taking, you know, serious time in silence, which I would say is a minimum of 20 minutes, you know, a half hour. Some people do a holy hour. It's not uncommon. Then you need some guidance in time because the presence of God over time, you know, really does penetrate our interior psyche, our soul, our intellect, our will. And there are changes that, uh, that we undergo then in our relationship with God. So there's need for guidance there. And John of the Cross is, is a superb guider, guider uh, in this. And, uh, and, and hopefully the book you know, makes him more accessible for that. I ran into you at the cathedral, St. Patrick's Cathedral recently, and you said that your prayer is that this, draws, this book draws people into deeper prayer. And one thing that you make clear in the book is that being a contemplative, first of all, is all of our calls. Obviously, not everyone can be a hermit praying all the time, but we're we're called to be contemplatives in the world. And you point out that that takes courage. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, it takes courage to uh, to you know perhaps give up some of the frivolous you know things in our life and some of the distracting you know. Today, the internet, the, the computer itself can be a, a, a nice substitute for using quiet time in a more productive way. And it takes courage to be a person of prayer. People, I, I admire very much in New York City, people who go to daily mass. And you see a lot of that. I'm sure that's true in all cities. You know, it takes courage to walk out of one's office and, you know, say, I, I'm going to Catholic, I'm going to mass, you know, rather than a, you know, a shared lunch, perhaps. And so I think it, take, it takes personal courage to say, I really want to find God and encounter with God in a deeper way in my life and to take that step. And the beautiful thing of it is you, you will find God. If you walk forward to him, he has been waiting for that in so many of our, our lives. And, and there's no end to it. It continues to deepen as our life continues. The courage is also needed because it's it's a hard road at times to keep up with prayer when there is perhaps no re, you know sense of satisfaction or insights and 
to stay in that committed relationship with all Lord, that takes serious courage too. Well, and you talk about, um, in talking about John of the Cross, the, the concealment that can happen. God, God can be hidden in our prayer. There's, there's purification and suffering that happens. Things that we don't like to think about or, or desire, um, even though we need to, to grow in the interior life. When people start hearing about that stuff and, and kind of want to put the book down and, and forget about it, what, what is your encouragement to them? Well, I think the, uh, the reality is the presence of God. And we have this experience all the time in the Eucharist. You know, we pray before a tabernacle or our Lord in the monstrance. We receive him under that fragile, you know, disguise of a host. And, you know, God is living that concealment as his, his, steady, uh, his, his steady presence to us all the time. And I think the, you know, there's a need to realize that that invisible hiddenness of God is our way of, en of engaging him in his real presence. That he's so personal despite that hidden concealment. And, you know, to live that to live that awareness in a, in a deeper way all the time, you know, is part of our, our relations with God, you know, rather than perhaps, you know, looking to, you know, hear a message from God that I, I want to hear a sentence from him or, um, you know, waiting for him to speak in some manner, a phrase to us. I think it's important to realize, no, to be with him in his, his preference for, you know, a silent, disguised, but very real personal presence. And it's really important, isn't it, when when someone does receive something more from God um, that's very consoling, that we not expect that, and and certainly not demand that. You know, um, because this is this is about God, not us. Yeah, and that's correct. And and, and of course, and the. The reality is it's always moving on in, in our life. And I, I think God, God refuses to be predictable. And he doesn't uh, want our relationship to, with him to be, um, you know, that something we can anticipate that easily. I mean, all of us have the experience. Sometimes we turn a corner in a day or in our life, and suddenly there is serious purification that's entered our life. Some trial, some, some loss or... And, you know, those things are very real. God is there in all of that. But it's it really is like John of the Cross said, it's climbing Mount Carmel. There is a, a steady uh, movement always. And there's there's, you know, transition and change that's constant, it would seem. So, yes, there are consoling moments. I think sometimes we should recognize more the consoling things that happen in our life are often outside of prayer. That God is showing you know, we may have be very, you know, desolate in a time of prayer, and then you go outside in prayer, and there's very fruitful things happening in our in our encounters with people. I've seen that as a priest many times, and I think God likes to realize He's speaking there. You know, sometimes in very vivid ways when the prayer seems maybe very silent or that He has hidden Himself too much in a way. Well, that's a point that you make clear in the book as well, that 
acts, we, we will be more generous and charitable and we will still see God in the world more if we're praying. And it's important that Christians realize that yes, we must live the Beatitudes, but we can't live the Beatitudes if we're not, if we don't know God, if we're not spending time with him in silence. And again, Catherine, you're right on the, you know, hitting right on the target there, because I think that's the reality of, you know, many of us like to read a life of a saint, or we have encountered a Mother Teresa, or we've seen John Paul, but all of these saints, everyone, they were all serious people of prayer, and None of them had that kind of enthusiastic giving of themselves, you know, in their in their external life, except they were deeply rooted in prayer in their lives. And, you know, to me, that's the one great revolution in a way that could take place in 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 the Catholic world. And it seems to be, you know, that prayer in a deep form is is catching on contagiously for some time now. And. That is the greatness of, you know, when you have great families, when you have, when, when couples have good children, faithful children, the parents have been prayerful in their lives. And I think that I tell people all the time that in confessions, frankly, if you are serious about prayer, you know, so much of your life is going to change even quickly because of the effects of prayer on our lives. Sometimes we don't want that change though, because we're fearful of what God will do when we give him the time, you know, those, those purifications, but doesn't life actually make more sense when, when we accept that we're not going to be secure or um, yeah, there, there's not, there's not necessarily going to be the so-called happiness that people expect out of life when, when there's actually a deeper joy that comes in acknowledging the, the supernatural reality of our lives. Well, that, you know, that's the great adventure that, you know, many people, we need to, in a sense, push ourselves over that threshold and realize, you know, I think God, God is, he will take us seriously to the degree we take him seriously. He will be close if we want him close. And that doesn't mean we're going to suffer and be nailed to a cross, but we enter into more of this supernatural mystery of life, you know, by by approaching him. And that may sound obvious, but, you know, to, to do it, we really find that divine providence is much more at work. You know, God is bringing people into our life or encounters that happen that, you know, wouldn't be happening otherwise. I mean, I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, critical of people, especially in a sermon or anything like that, but it really is true that if we're not prayerful, it includes priests. You know, there are contacts are much more superficial then. And, you know, they could be good and good in human nature. But when we really take prayer seriously and God seriously, then we're, we're all, almost immediately in a kind of deeper level of living. And this is the, the gift that, you know, God is offering to all of us, you know, if we if we are, if we take especially silent prayer, personal relationship, not just we want to take care, make sure our rosary is done, or we say our prayers that we pray, you know, every day, but relationship also with Mary, you know, these things become and life changers. One thing I deeply appreciate about you, Father Haggerty, and and your writing, is that you're 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 coming from a place of of deep prayer. 
Um, but but you're accessible. You're inviting people in. You have like a door open. Um, so much of your writing, all of your books on contemplation published by Ignatius Press have these little paragraphs that are kind of like retreats unto themselves. And it's not too much, and yet it's it's deeply profound. But but um, in this this book is different. <laughs> um, in as much as as you are, uh, it's an authoritative kind of study, get accessibly um, on the cross. Yet what I found when I was um, when I was rereading it um, for this uh, for this interview, um, because I've taken an uh, an early look on. Is that you actually can do that? Um, you know, if somebody finds a, a, a 340 or so page book um, a little daunting, just go to a paragraph or two. You know, um, it is a very um, again accessible book, and I think people will will find it crucial for their prayer, even if they don't read it cover to cover, which, which is, is something I always encourage about your book. Um, yeah, don't worry if it looks long to you. <laughs> there, there's so much God can do with it. Um, I, I assume that's your prayer as you're writing. Well, thank you for your comments, Catherine. You're very kind and generous. But, I, you know, with John of the Cross, I have my one volume here. It looks, at, I mean, the cover here is, you know, and it darkened over the years for so That's many years. But it's underlined in black ink, it's underlined in blue ink, in red ink, you know, many comments. And so when I wrote this, I, you know, I didn't have to just look inside. I'm looking at, you know, my favorite, you know, really the stunning passages that John of the Cross does have. And, you know, then to write it was just to, you know, comment on, on him and to push him prominently before us and I think he's such a in, incredible figure you know and and, and if, if you think too as you know I mean he influenced as an example Saint Therese of Lisieux we find her very accessible I think she's actually the great commentator in some manner on John of the Cross you know she had, she said she read him continually between the age of 19 and 21 she died 24 and then she said, after reading him for those two years, there was no one else that met him as the as the great guide of her life. So it's a it's an interesting. Most people are afraid of John of the Cross, and yet this is the result of, it, of what what he can produce in a in a saintly life. You know that to do these small things with great love, John of the Cross would have been nodding behind her shoulder as she as she's you know repeated that many times. And, and the goal, really, I, I heard you, um, your homily this morning, and you talked about how, just have a little more time in Lent, start looking at Jesus on the cross for a minute or two. And that's the kind of practical kind of insights that come from, from reading this book, I, I think. Um, again, people can be a little intimidated by the, the contemplation, but... Basically, what you're aiming for is for people to be able to really see the gaze of Jesus on the cross and know that this is what love is actually. You know, um, we have so many false um, ideas of what of, of what love is, of what God is, and um, and spending a little time with this book will 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 definitely um, help a reassessment of our lives. That's uh, 
if, if we're we're buying into a lot of uh, conceptions of what God and love are. Yeah, that's that's a great you know great comment because I mean as John of the Cross said, in the evening of life you know we will be examined in love. And then he had a second sentence, you know, learn then to love as God desires to be loved. So an example, like you just mentioned, you know, holding a crucifix in one's hand and, you know, staring at him and, and telling him you love him and realizing he has loved you, you know, in that in that suffering on the cross. And, you know, John of the Cross is not teaching things that are above the clouds. He's he is he stared himself at crucifixes. He. The cover of the book is a is a drawing of, of John of the Cross, you know, I think depicting the father looking down on his son on the cross. And so it, it's that great mixture. I think you saw it in Mother Teresa. You probably saw it in John of the, uh, Pope John Paul, if you knew him, you know, people who were close to him. These people have great depth in their interior life, but they're very simple, too, in their approach to love and and it's, it's because the great depth then comes out into the into the externals and they become fruitful for God. And I think we all aspire to that, to be used by God in the course of our life, you know, for other souls. What what other way is there to live? Um, I can't believe we're out of time already. I could ask you questions for weeks, Father Haggerty, but we'll spare you and, and the audience. Uh, I can't recommend enough uh, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation um, by Father Donald Haggerty, priest of New York. Thank you, Father Haggerty. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you to Ignatius Press also. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.